0: In Calvary. Pastor Matt here. As you watch this video, I'll be up at the Young Adult Retreat with about 20 of our young people, and we thank you for your prayers for this weekend, and I just ask that you continue to pray for us as we wrap up the time together at the camp. The last couple weeks, we've been blessed to have a couple people preach for us at Calvary that maybe don't have quite as much experience as I do, but This week we got a special treat of having someone who has far more experience than I do. He was preaching long before I was born, even long before my father was born. uh, This man was doing pastoral ministry. And if you've been around Baptist churches in Ottawa long enough, then he really needs no introduction. But Pastor Ray Galbraith is a retired Fellowship Baptist pastor and church planner. When he was studying at Central Baptist Seminary, he pioneered Richmond Hill Baptist Church in 1955 going on to further church plants in Richmond Hill, as well as Kimberley, B.C. After that, he came to Ottawa to Pastor Parkdale Baptist Church in 1973, and near the end of his full-time ministry, he helped establish Fellowship Baptist in Canada. In 1992, due to failing health, he retired from full-time ministry, but he has not stopped serving the Lord in his church since then, and he's been a... a Inter, in interim ministries and supply preaching, as well as a pastoral mentor to many men such as myself over the years. We're blessed to still have him around and to have him with us today, as along with his wife Barb, and so why don't you just give him a warm Calvary welcome this morning.
1: I could see his lips moving, and I thought uh, maybe my hearing has finally given out completely. Uh, of course, I had taken off my hearing aids because when I speak with hearing aids on, I, I hear myself, and I think that I'm speaking loudly enough, and people in the back row cannot always hear me. But it is certainly a delight to be with you here in Calvary Baptist this morning, what an awesome privilege to come to a church that uh, is older than I am. <laughs> By that introduction, I thought uh, the people will be thinking the old guy is must be a hundred, but uh, actually I'm just a couple of months short of eighty-five, and it has been my joy to be a Christian. For 63 years, and uh, what an amazing journey it has been. As God laid His hand upon me as a 21 year old fellow and uh, brought me to conviction of my sin and convinced me that I needed a Savior, and I bowed that night after hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the text that the preacher used. Actually, he was a lay preacher, a real estate agent from Chicago, Illinois, preaching at a rally, and the text he used is, Behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. And the Spirit of God laid hold of my life, and uh, convinced me of my sin and my need. And I remember bowing down, getting down on my knees in, uh, in the middle of the aisle. There in the old Grand Theater in Galt, Ontario, now Cambridge. And just admitting my sin and calling upon Jesus Christ to come into my life and to be my Savior. Well, it's been a great ride ever since. And it's a great privilege to be here in this congregation that is about to celebrate its 100th anniversary. (coughs) What a ministry you have had. And uh, as we uh, look at people that have come through this church, many look back to the time when in Calvary Baptist Church, they heard the gospel, and came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. We're praying that your anniversary celebrations will be a great event. You are so fortunate to have Pastor uh, Dr. Don Carson coming. I met Don when he was just a 16-year-old boy. I was preaching in his father's church down in Drummondville, Quebec, and uh, I was showing a a missionary uh, film that night, and as I was setting up the projector in the afternoon, about four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, in walks this young lad about 16 years of age, and uh, he was so interested. In everything, he asked question after question. And I was impressed with the intelligence of that young man and his faith in Jesus Christ and his his interest in missions, even then as a boy. And it has been my joy and privilege to... Uh, have acquaintance with Don over the years, and we look forward to him, his coming uh, here to Ottawa. Well, it's sermon time, and uh, Pastor Matt was telling me the other day that he usually preaches for anywhere around 45, sometimes 50 minutes. And uh, I can never keep anyone awake for that long, <laughs> but uh, Matt must be a great preacher. And uh, by the way, I just thank you, congregation, for your love and your support of that young pastor. Every report I hear out of this church is positive. Never heard a bad word about your pastor. Continue to pray for him and encourage him. And even if his sermons are long, that's okay. Okay. I heard of one fellow that uh, uh, went to a church where uh, he had a long-winded preacher. And when the preacher would get up to speak, he pulled a little three-by-five card out of his pocket and uh, reached around. He had some Velcro in the back of it, and he put it on his shoulder. And uh, the writing on the card was, Now I lay me down to sleep. The preacher's long, the sermon's deep. If he should stop before I wake, just give my arm a little shake. So if Matt gets a little long-winded, he'll probably wake you up with a shout or two at the end of the service. Well, I come this morning. uh, I have many years' experience, but... I never have been a great preacher, but I love the Word of God, and it's a joy to share with you this morning. And for my text this morning, I'm going to take a compilation of several verses of Scripture which together express the here and now challenge to Christians in the 21st century, to, re, to believe as redeemed sinners ought to believe, to live by faith as those who know Christ ought to live, to rejoice in hope as those who look forward to the glorious uh, moment when Christ shall come and take us home to be with himself. And uh, take us to that place where there is no more sin, where sorrow and sickness has no place, where death is swallowed up in victory, where righteousness and eternal peace reigns forever, and we shall be forever with our Lord and Savior. So I direct your attention to a few verses from Hebrews chapter 12 and 13. And beginning at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the writer says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, and the sin which so certainly entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in chapter 13, and verse 5, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, he has promised, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And in verse 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid of what man shall do to me. And then notice verse 8, Jesus Christ, The same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pause for just a moment of prayer. Father, as we come before you this morning, we recognize our need, our sin, our shortcomings. But Lord, we come to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. The one who has promised to never leave us. And never forsake us. So Lord we just cast our care upon you this morning. And ask for your special blessing. Bless Pastor Matt. We thank you for his ministry. And Lord bless him this morning. As he shares with that group of young adults. And seeks to encourage them. To continue in their walk of faith. And their labor of love. For the Master. Lord, may this be a great weekend in the lives of many of those young people. May there be those who will rededicate their lives to Jesus Christ today. And maybe there will be those who for the first time will hear the word of God in a clear, resounding way and respond accepting Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. So bless, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, whenever I think of these spiritually stimulating declarations of Scripture, they remind me that every provision has been made for me to live by faith to stay on course, to stick to God's game plan and finish the race in which the Lord has placed me. With my eyes firmly fixed on Jesus Christ, the changeless one. I can look to Christ and realize that my past with its sin and shame, has all been taken care of at the cross. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He, the virgin-born Son of God, who came into this world in the most lowly fashion, born of a virgin, laid in a manger. He was... He lived among sinners. For 33 years he walked the dusty, sin-corrupted paths of Galilee, reaching the lost, demonstrating the power of God, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, giving sight to the blind, and even raising the dead to life. And then... As he loved us with an everlasting love, he gave his life for us on the cross of Calvary, shedding his precious blood that we might be cleansed from every sin and spot. And having risen from the dead on the third day and showing himself alive by many infallible proofs, You remember he led the disciples out to the Mount of Olives and as he commissioned them to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, he ascended up into heaven with the promise that he would one day come again. Before ascending to heaven, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see, that's the everlasting, all-sufficient Savior who has taken care of all our past. He died for our sin, and he rose again for our justification. And today we worship him the same yesterday and today. And forever. Because I have repented of my sin and received Him as my Savior, I know that my past, with its sin and shame, is all forgiven, washed away, obliterated, buried in the sea of His forgetfulness. As the Psalmist said, as far as the East is from the West, So far has he removed my transgressions from me. Never to be remembered against us again. So he has taken care of our yesterday. And he has absolutely assured us of a triumphant forever. I shall be with Christ for all eternity. Not on the basis of what I have done, but on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And right now, He is my Lord and Master of the life which I now live in the flesh. So, as the book of Revelation says, He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the answer to my sin in the past. He is my hope for all eternity. But more than that, he is my hope today. He is my friend. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. The one who has promised to never leave me or forsake me. To quote the Apostle Paul, who said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. That's the present tense. Yet not I, not the old sinful self, but Christ lives within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What an amazing gospel we have. What an amazing Savior is ours. The same yesterday and today and forevermore. As the hymn writer expressed it, my past with his sin and shame, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there. And Calvary covers it all. So there's my past, and here's my present. He is today my Savior, my Helper, so that I can confidently say, I am trusting him, I will serve him, I am his, and he is mine. As the hymn writer said, How blessed the thought that my soul by him bought, shall be his in the glory on high where with gladness and song I'll be one of the throng and Calvary covers it all. Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever. The Christ that stilled the storms in the days of his flesh who gave sight to blind Bartimaeus and commanded a man with a withered arm to stretch forth his hand and he did it. The one who cleansed the lepers and raised the dead to life and forgave sin is watching over us today in the present tense. He said, I am with you always even unto the end Of the age. He said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you, I will strengthen you, yea, I will uphold you with my omnipotent right hand. So, casting all our care upon Him who cares for us, we live today. In the present tense. You know. There are literally thousands of people. Who know all of that. They know about the Christ. And the cross. And the shed blood. And the power of him. Who not only laid down his life. But. Rose from the dead. They know the Christ of the past tense. And they've been assured of future glory. They've been born again. Their sins are forgiven. They're assured of heaven when they die. And that's wonderful. But you know, there is that other dimension to life between the past and the future, there is an area of life that is often troublesome to the child of God, and that is the today part, the today part. The life which I now live, how do you describe the life which you now live in the flesh. It's not always easy. There are so many Christians who will get up and testify to the wonderful things that happened 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 10 years ago when they knelt down and received Christ as their Savior and they experienced the glow of new life in Christ. And they talk about the victories back then, how God delivered them from sin, from their sinful past and their sinful habits. And they look forward to that day when they die and they're going to be with Christ. Or when the trumpet of the Lord will sound And Christ will come and we're caught up together with the resurrected saints to meet the Lord in the air. There's the past deliverance and there's the future glory. But you know, often in the believer's life, there is a difficult today. And people who are Christians will ask the question today, why do the righteous suffer? Why did my husband lose his job? Why did God allow my baby to be born deformed? Why has my son turned his back on God? Why did Alice Winomer that sweet Christian fall and break some ribs and even broke a finger. Why do these things happen? Do you ever feel like that? Rejoicing in the past tense and rejoicing in the future? But today, you ask, why, Lord? I don't understand what's happening. You know something this old 85-year-old preacher can relate to that? I rejoice in what God did 63 years ago when he saved me. And I rejoice in the hope that is yet to come. But I often look at today and I see that sin is rampant in this world after the preaching of the gospel for 2,000 years. I see society calling good evil and evil good in the day in which we live. I see the government passing legislation to allow abortion on demand so that thousands upon thousands of unborn infants have their lives snuffed out before they take a breath of air. I see marriage and the home attacked on every side in this day in which we live. Marriage, that sacred union between a man and a woman. It's been changed. And what the scripture describes as the defilement of the flesh, men lying with men and women with women, Today it's accepted in our society. And we wonder why. And sacred life being wiped out with new powers for euthanasia. Our world is in a mess. And I'm sure that there are many like myself who at times cry, why? I read an article the other day about the massacres in Iraq, the ISIS movement, and how it's affecting Christians. The article that I read stated that 10 years ago it was estimated that there were 1.5 million Christians in Iraq. And over the years, these have been systematically pushed over the brink. Hundreds, thousands have been killed. And that today, Ten years later, there are probably less than 150,000 Christians in Iraq. And we say, why? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. And forever. And sometimes... we're brought to the point where we question about today. God is still on the throne. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But even in our personal lives, are there not those days when we're not rejoicing and when we're asking questions? You know, we're not alone in that. God has not promised us an easy life. In fact, we are told that we'll be hated by all men for his sake. But sometimes we question and second-guess God. Let me give you a New Testament example of this. In John chapter 11, we have the account of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the friends of the Lord Jesus Christ. And probably of all Jesus' friends on earth in the days of his flesh, these would be counted among his dearest. In John chapter 11, we have the account of that day when Jesus was away from the Jerusalem, Bethany area. And Lazarus, his friend, became ill. And you remember what happened. His sister sent word to Jesus, he whom you love is sick. And the inference was, of course, come to his side, come to his aid. Your friend Lazarus is sick. And we read that Jesus got the message and he even shared the message with the disciples. Our friend Lazarus is sick. And the disciples said, let's let's hurry to be over there with him, minister to him. But Jesus remained where he was for two more days. And finally, after two days, he said to the disciples, let us go to Bethany. And he went there. And you remember the story how when he arrived, he was met by Martha, who came running out to meet him. And the first words that came out of her mouth were, Lord, if you had been here, My brother would not have died. Remember that? The inference was where have you been, Lord? If you had come when we called you, my brother would still be alive. Did Martha love the Lord Jesus Christ? Of course she did. But was she a believer? Of course she was a believer. She trusted the Savior. She even had faith to believe that her brother would rise again on the last day. But she questioned the here and the now. She believed in the hope of the resurrection to come. She even believed that Christ had power and that God would give him whatever he asked for, even that very moment. But the question was on her mind. Why, Lord? Why didn't you come? Like a lot of others... She was second guessing the Lord in the present tense. And you know, she was not alone. Now, I think Martha was one of the, if there were three of the three people in that home, there was one person that I wouldn't want to mess with, and that was Martha. So she may have been a little nasty. But she was not alone. In verse 32 of that chapter, we read that Martha went and got Mary. Mary came out and the first thing that Mary said to the Lord Jesus as she bowed down before him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then notice in verse 37 of that chapter, the Jews, the kind of the general population who had come to gather around Mary and Martha in their time of sorrow, they were murmuring and saying, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have prevented this man from dying? Couldn't they have kept this man alive? You see, they all believed in the Christ of the past. They believe that the Savior has the power to do exceeding abundantly above all that we dare to ask or think. And they believed that in the future, in that day when we shall stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords, we will be caught up together with the Lord in the air and will forever be with the Lord where sin and sorrow and death and sickness have no place. But you know, the hardest part of the Christian life is the today. Christ is still in control. But we have a tendency to question the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, the purposes of God in the present tense. And instead of saying, yes, Lord, according to your will, Lord, if this is what is your will for my life today, we often find ourselves second-guessing the purposes of God the timing of God. You see, the problem is we want things our way in our time, on our conditions, all the time. But God's way is perfect. His purposes are always right. See, the problem is not with God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But like he said to the children of Israel in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And what he's really saying there is our value system is geared to what we think we experience tainted by human emotion and selfish desires. And our value system doesn't match God's value system. And therefore, our ways do not line up with his ways. But the Lord is still in the throne. And we can say with confidence, yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change. My heart with its ups and its downs, its inconsistencies, my flesh that cries out for satisfaction moment by moment is not always in conformity to God's ways. And we need to come to that place again and again. We're in the words of the Lord's prayer. Not my will, but thine be done. And we need to yield to him. And I guess what I'm saying is, what we really need to remember as we pass through this journey of life is that the God on the mountain is still the God of the valley. And it's wonderful to be there on the mountaintop with Christ and rejoice in his presence. And the Lord is just blessing us again and again and again and again. We say, Yes, Lord. I must be doing something right. It's not necessarily that we're doing something right. We need to remember that God's ways and God's will is always right. And when trouble comes, And when we seem to have to wait for the blessing, wait for the answer to prayer, wait for an understanding of what's happening around us and we don't understand, we need to remember that God is in control. And that one day, we will Understand, We will know, even as we are also known. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that as we make our journey through this life, with its veil of tears, with its sorrows and losses and disappointments, as well as the joy, and the great victories that we experience. Oh, Lord, help us to remember that you are always in control and that your ways are always right. Help us to remember, Lord, that the God of the mountain is still the God in the valley. And when we pass even through the valley of the shadow of death, may we be like David and remember that you are with us and that you never fail us. So help us to commit ourselves moment by moment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.